Well, let's begin this morning's message. Pastor Dave, as I mentioned in the prayer, he is at the Damascus campus. He is ministering to them this morning, and I get the privilege of ministering to you this morning. It is a wonderful opportunity to be with you, such friendly, wonderful faces, and uh, you give me a lot of encouragement and joy, and if you're not friendly and warm, uh, just don't look at me. That's okay. All right. We are going to continue in, uh, in John chapter 10, where Pastor Dave left off last week. And Pastor Dave shared about Jesus the Good Shepherd. And verses uh, 14 through 16, just kind of recapping where he left off, it says this. And I'm reading out of the ESV version. I have that Bible this morning. He says, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. I'm going to scoot this over here. Jesus the Good Shepherd. We can see a few points in this. These few verses of uh, some important things that Jesus is sharing. That there's a relationship involved in these verses between the good shepherd and the sheep. Just as there is a relationship that uh, Jesus describes between him and the Father. That there is knowing one another. There is relationship. There is familiarity between the good shepherd and the flock. And you know that as you have... Uh, made a profession of faith and a belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and, Shep- Lord and Savior. And as the Good Shepherd, you know him and you know his voice and he knows you. We also see that there is a sacrificial element to being the Good Shepherd where he gives the statement, I lay down my life for the sheep. He gives everything for us, his flock, the beloved. We also see that his message of being the good shepherd is inclusive. Where there are other sheep that he is reaching and calling to and seeking that are not of that fold. And it speaks to the message being spread, the hope and the message and the truth of Christ around this world through all countries, all nations, all people, including us today. And it also brings unity that there is one flock one shepherd in the name of Jesus, the good shepherd. Amen? Amen. Amen. And Pastor Dave shared a wonderful message and tying it in with Psalms 23 and the names of God that we can draw from the 23rd Psalm. The question that I have for you this morning before we get into this morning's text is this. What are the areas in your life that have some authority? What are the areas in your life that have some authority? Well, if you are a parent, you have some authority, don't you? At least you feel like you should. They might be teenagers and you may not feel like you have any authority, but you do. You have authority in your role as a father or as a mother and even as a grandparent. We have roles in the workplace as a manager or as a boss or the owner of a business. There is authority that comes with those positions. We may have authority by a particular vocation that we have, whether it may be a teacher in a classroom or 
a principal of a school or a police or sheriff or a firefighter. There is authority that comes in those vocations. Or maybe you're in a role within government or you are a doctor or a nurse. There is authority that comes with those vocations. And we also know that you can have authority by your level of experience and your expertise that you may have. There's an authority there. And you may even be uh, the one person that people go to uh, for information on that particular topic because you are the authority in that particular topic. In my household, I have the authority of killing spiders. It is my experience and my expertise in my household that I have the authority over that. I have the power and the ability to kill all the spiders that I want in my household. Now, that sounds pretty manly, but Charlene will tell you, I can scream like a seven-year-old girl if that spider falls from the ceiling. Okay. But that's one authority that I may have in a particular role. Leaders have authority, don't they? They may have a title or they may not have a title. Uh, it may be earned or it may be given to them based upon whatever. It's influencing others and it's having power over others. Authority. We submit to authority. Sometimes we don't enjoy it, whatever that authority may be. Sometimes that authority doesn't hold its influence and power in a proper way. And then you will have rebellion that will come up against that, primarily like with governments or whatever it may be. We see that happening right now in Hong Kong, where uh, an uprising, a civil uprising taking, is taking place. But we all have areas of authority, no matter what our role, no matter where we are at in the workplace or at home, there is a level of authority of influence that we have. You know, when, uh, when I was young, I had what I thought authority. I have four younger brothers. The second brother is eight years younger than myself, so I was like the built-in babysitter. My parents know how to, knew how to do it right. They had me as the only child. I thought, man, life is great. And then I turned eight, and brother number two came along. I was like, all right, that's all right. But as brother three and brother four and brother five, there's five of us boys, I was eight years older than number two, so I was the built-in babysitter. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and so I had authority when my parents left for the day to go shopping or whatever they were doing, and my job was to take care of uh, the four younger brothers, and I had some authority over them that was granted to me by my parents. Of course, I was being, I was a teenager and bigger and stronger than they were, so I had authority, but brother number two, his name's Paul, and Paul, if you are listening today, I'm telling on you. Well, he was a little bit of a smart aleck as an eight-year-old. And he kind of rebelled against my authority as the big brother. And so as the big brother, uh, there was only so much I could do to command my authority over him. So I thought in my, my moment of exasperation and frustration that he was a smart-mouthed little, little brat that uh, there was a closet door and he was up against there and my other brothers were over there and he was, he was being a smart math little self. So I, 
I came back, and I went like this, and he was standing there next to the door, and I hit the door right next to his head, intending to hit the door, to make a loud noise and show him, don't mess with big brother. Anyhow, my hand went straight through the door. And it probably wasn't a good idea to hit the door in the first place, but it was just a closet door. My hand went right through. My brother's looking over there, looking at my arm through the door, and all my other little brothers, six, four, and whatever, they're like, <gasps> Suddenly, I knew I had exceeded my level of authority. <laughs> and when the true authority of the household came home, I was in big trouble. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. I'll just let you let your imagination go. That, that is exactly what happened. My higher authority exerted his authority over myself. I can say I have never uh, punched a door since that moment. Authority. This morning as we continue Jesus' instruction as the good shepherd through verses 17 to 21, we will see that there is a vital statement that Jesus makes about himself. And this statement separates him from all others. And this statement speaks of unstoppable power. And this statement demonstrates everlasting love. And Jesus said, we're going to read it here, I have authority. Let's take a look at the passage in John chapter 10, 17 to 21. The authority of Christ. Starting with verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word this morning, may our hearts be ready to receive the truth of your word. And what you want to share with us today. We know your Holy Spirit is illuminating this truth and the words. And bringing conviction, application, instruction to us in our daily lives in the 21st century. And Father, we're just grateful for your timeless word. And that the power of who you are speaks through these words in our lives. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have authority. This is a powerful statement that Jesus makes, and there's a lot of meaning behind that uh, that we're going to explore this morning, even more than I can really share in our time together. The word authority used here in the Greek, it's uh, exousia, and it's a, a word that has levels of meaning with it, and here's some of the definitions that come with this word exousia. Authority and power is a central part of that. It has the power of choice, liberty of doing as one pleases. 
It also has power possessing or exercising ability or strength. It is also power of authority or influence and of right, privilege, and title. It's power to rule and to judge, and it's power universally over mankind. Authority, power, and those nuances of how that power is manifested in the person and in the work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus has the authority. And as we see here in his instruction, he says, I have the authority to lay down my life. He has the authority to lay down his life. And we know what he's talking about because the events unfolded just as he said they would. In his death on the cross, it was a willing sacrifice on our behalf. He willingly became the sacrificial lamb for our sins for of all time. The one and only act of love and grace and mercy and sacrifice by the only one who had the authority to do so. It was his power of choice to do so. The Romans did not kill him. The Jews did not kill him. No one took his life. Jesus willingly laid it down for us because he had the authority. No one can take it from him. He said that himself. There was no other power on earth that could take his life without him willing them to do so. Not the power of the Roman army or of Pontius Pilate or of Herod or of any other entity. No one had the power. No one had the might greater than the authority and the power of Christ to take his life without him willing to give it. He had all authority to protect himself, to keep himself from harm, and to vanquish all of his physical enemies. No one had the power over him. And no one had the authority to take his place. He is the only one with the authority and right as the Son of God to be the one to lay down his life and then to take it up again. It was his singular role. No other could have fulfilled that but him. He also says in this instruction, in the second point, Jesus had the authority to take it, his life, up again. And he's talking about his resurrection. Christ rising from the dead. It is his power over sin and death. Amen? Jesus has the authority to lay down his life to be the sacrifice. Jesus is the only one who has the authority to take up his life again, to be raised from the dead with power over sin and death. And Romans 6, 9 emphasizes this point where he says, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death has no power over the Son of God in the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 40, 55 through 57 says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. 
and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We get to share and to partake in Jesus' victory over death and sin. Amen? Amen? We are victorious in the name of Jesus. Man, that is an Easter message right there. This passage. The power and the authority of Christ to lay down his life and to take it up again. And the third point that we see here is that Jesus repeatedly demonstrated his power of authority and right as the Son of God all throughout the Gospels. More than I can share right now, but just highlighting a few instances where Jesus' power and authority were illuminated in the stories that we have from the Gospels. It was recognized by the Roman centurion that we read in Matthew 8, 5 through 10. And I'll share that with you. It says this. When he, Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Such faith. It was because the centurion understood authority and he understood and knew that this man, Jesus, had the authority. Somehow he knew that he had the authority and the power of God was with him to heal his beloved servant the authority and the power of Christ. We also see it in his teachings and in his uh, knowledge uh, and throughout the Gospels. And one instance we find in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 21, it says this, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. I can only imagine what it would be like to sit in the presence of Jesus 2,000 years ago and to listen to the authority of his words. Even if he was reading verbatim out of the scriptures, there is authority that comes with the one and only Son of God. And in his teaching and explaining the issues of the kingdom of God and his Sermon on the Mount and his instruction to the disciples on and on in the Gospels, there is authority that we can trust and count on. Amen? If Jesus said it is the truth, if it's in red letters in your Bible, that is the number one authority that you can count on more than anything else of any other, any other information that you can have in this world. It's because Jesus is the one and only authority on truth and humanity 
and the kingdom of God. We also see that he demonstrated his power and authority as the son of God. In his exercising of power over supernatural and natural powers. And we see continuing in the story in Mark chapter 1, right after he was teaching in the synagogue, uh, and it says this, verses 23 to 27. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. There's no supernatural power known that has more authority than the Son of God, Jesus Christ. There's no other religious God with a little g. There's no other supernatural beings or ghosts or demons. Satan himself, no other authority has higher authority than the power of Jesus. We also see how Jesus had command over nature. One of the illustrations, well known to all of us, is found in Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, where Jesus calms the storm. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were, in, and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Jesus has command. Jesus has authority. Jesus has power over all supernatural and all natural things. Amen. Many, many more examples. All throughout the Gospels where Jesus demonstrated his authority as the one and only Son of God. In his miraculous birth, as God incarnate, God with us, it starts right there. In his sinless life as the unblemished Lamb of God. He is the only one who was able to live a sinless life as the Son of God, the righteous one. In his teachings, kingdom, wisdom, and truth. In his many miracles of healing and restoration and even raising the dead. He demonstrated his authority. And in the power of his resurrection. It is the demonstration of the power of God when God raised him from the grave. The empty tomb is the power of God. And in one of his last instructions to his disciples, Jesus shared his full authority to give them 
the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And that is why we can proclaim with, with confidence the statement that I shared in Philippians chapter 2, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other name above the name of Jesus. And we are gathered here in the name of Jesus. And we are a testimony of the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Even after 2,000 years of the events that unfolded in the Gospels, we still proclaim with truth and confidence and assurance that it is the name that gives us hope, life, joy, peace, and the forgiveness of sins, and the hope of eternal life in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why did Jesus proclaim and exercise his divine authority as the Son of God? Why did he do that? To willingly lay down his life and to take it up again? He is the Son of God after all. Omnipotent, all-knowing, before time continuing through time, not limited by time. Why did his divinity, why did he lay down his life and why did he take it up again? There is one reason and the answer is simple. The answer is love. Everyone say love. 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 There is love between the Father and the Son and we see it here where Jesus said the reason, this reason is that because of this the Father loves me. And he demonstrates his love going to the cross and being raised from the dead to us. Love. John 3.16, the most probably known verse around this world. We teach it to our littlest children. We memorize it. We share it with our family and friends. And it starts off, for God so loved the world. It's why that verse is so powerful and crosses all generations and all cultures because it starts with the truth of the reason why. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is the central truth of what we believe in and how we can share that with others. And we also see his love is demonstrated in the apostle uh, Paul shares it in Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8, where he says, For while we, were, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you. Just in my humanity and my limited love to others, 
There's probably very few people that I would willingly lay down my life for another. I would probably willingly lay down my life for my wife and my children, maybe some close family, willingly go to my death so they could live. But if there's a murderer or a serial murderer on death row and they're going to die, I'm not going to take their place. If there's a stranger that I don't know, I don't know. It'd be hard to know that I was going to my death to save that person. My love is limited. But God demonstrated his love through his son that while we were still sinners, while we were rejecting him, while we were in rebelling against him, while we were in our sin, Christ demonstrated his love by willingly going to the cross and rising from the grave. That is the greatest demonstration of love humanity will ever know. And it is by the good shepherd. 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The good shepherd laid down his life and raised it again so that we could have hope of being reunited by returning to the good shepherd, the overseer of our souls. That we could have the hope of not the punishment and the, and the chains and the bonds of sin, but that we could be free from sin and live in righteousness. We are living in righteousness because of the authority and the power of Christ. The good shepherd willingly and lovingly lay down his life for us. His strange sheep. And I've got a, I got a testimony in my life where I can say, yes, I was a strange sheep. And you probably have a testimony in that, your own experiences. Where before we came to Christ or before we committed our life to Christ... We were straying sheep to the flock of humanity. And he paid the debt of our sins on the cross. And he seeks us out that we might return to live in righteousness, return to the good shepherd, the overseer of our souls. I'm going to invite Abigail and the worship team to come on up. I'd also like to invite our prayer partners to come forward and to be up here. And as we look to the challenge this morning in this passage and how it may impact us, the question is this. How will you respond to the authority of Jesus as the Son of God? How will you respond to that truth? You can't read the Gospels. You can't have an understanding of the events that unfolded about him and, and have a crisis of decision, just like the Pharisees did when, when they were presented with Jesus and his words and his miracles, where they, some of them said, this man is possessed by a demon. This man is insane. Why do you listen to him? And then others said, well, look at the power that he has to heal the blind. There is a crisis of belief. It is a crisis of faith. How will you respond to the authority 
and the power of Jesus. Well, most of us are here today because we've already responded and said, yes, I believe and I submit to the authority of Christ and I want to commit my life to him. But there's other ways that we can respond to the authority of Jesus as the Son of God. You can call out his name in times of trouble and stress. Amen? Sometimes the only words that we can utter out of our mouth or the prayers that we can, we can say is just Jesus. Jesus. Because of the pain and the anguish and the sorrow that we are facing. And it is the power of Jesus' name that we can call on. It is the power and the authority of Jesus' name that we can demonstrate our love by obeying his commands and teachings. It is, uh, we can worship his name with heartfelt gratitude. It changes that we're not just singing songs with the worship team. It's an expression of our love and worship and gratitude to him. Because he willingly laid down his life for us and took it up again. And then we can trust in Jesus. We can seek forgiveness. And we can return to his love, acceptance, and grace if we have strayed or never made a commitment. And if you'll stand with me, please. I want to say a blessing over you this morning. And the challenge is, how will you respond to the authority of Jesus in your life? It does change our attitudes. It does change what we feel about coming together as the church and the body of Christ. It does change how we talk with one another, how we engage in the workplace, how we spend our free time. Because if we truly believe that Jesus has authority over all heaven and earth and has authority over us, then it changes our behavior. And the Holy Spirit speaks to the truth of who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit transforms us to be people of righteousness and to live in righteousness. As I say this blessing, there's the invitation to you. You'd like to have one of our prayer partners pray with you. It might simply be, I want to trust in Jesus more. I want to commit my life to him. They will agree with you in prayer. If there is a need in your life that you would like an agreement with for a prayer partner or a need of a family member or a friend, they as well will agree with you in, in prayer over that need in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. In fact, grateful, in other words, are inadequate to fully express how we feel about the authority and about the love that Jesus demonstrated by willingly laying down his life on our, on our behalf. And the power that he demonstrated in rising from the grave. But Lord, this morning, and even in our lack of meaningful words, Lord, we want to express our love and our worship to you in response to your authority. To the name of Jesus.
the one and only Son of God. And Father, this morning, for my friends that are here today, and, and Lord, they may feel like they are a strange sheep for one reason or another. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring them to your love, to seek forgiveness, to restoration, to your mercy and your grace, and return to the Good Shepherd. And Father, for all of us, may we be reminded that in our worship, in our interactions with others, in our daily lives, that 24-7, we respond to the authority of Jesus in our lives. And may it transform us. And we ask this in the beautiful, precious name of our good shepherd, the Son of God, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.